Hello and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world. Hello and welcome back to another episode with Three Musketeers production. It's myself, Hamid and Hessam. Today, I've got a guest that we've probably known him for many years uh, from school and he actually knew our older brother uh, from many years ago. Uh, They were in the same class. It's Ali Abdi and he's probably our first guest who has received the Great British Empire Medal and I have no doubt he will go on to receive more uh, recognition for what he's doing. Without further ado, Ali, welcome back. Uh, do you want to just give us five, ten minutes of, you know, who you are, your background, and what you're currently doing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you very much, Ham, uh, and uh, for allowing me to uh, come on your platform. Uh, delighted to be here uh, this evening uh, on your Three Musketeers uh, platform. Uh, yeah, what can I say? Uh, yeah, it all started back in Cate's. Uh Delighted that uh, you know you guys came through uh, the same place I did. Uh, you know, the fantastic school, great institution, uh, opportunities for all. Uh, uh, mashallah, yeah, I absolutely, you know, knew your brother. Uh, may, may, may he rest in peace, inshallah. And uh, yeah, he was a fantastic guy. Uh, and alhamdulillah, glad to see, you know, the work, you know, you and your brother are doing uh, to continue, you know, his legacy. Uh, alhamdulillah. Thank so you. yeah, I went to Kate's. I enjoyed my time there. Uh, when I left Cate's, um, uh, I went on to college. I didn't stay in sixth form. I went on to college uh, and then I went to university. Um, and I very much carried on whilst I was in university uh, and at college with um, doing youth and community work. I was volunteering in my local youth club uh, and I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I used to go youth club a lot from age 11 to 16 and then 16 onwards just started volunteering giving back to the, the the younger age groups that were coming through the ranks at the time uh, and I just had a real uh, uh, um, a love for helping youngsters or, or helping people who found it difficult if you like or never knew how to maneuver things uh, and so yeah the, the, the youth club manager at the time a guy called Steve uh, asked me if I wanted to help out a couple of evenings a week I was like yeah why not uh, that soon turned into paid work afterwards. So front university, I had a bit of pocket money from from doing youth work. Uh, and yeah, most evenings of the week, I used to uh, get get a call up, if you like. Uh, and I used to really enjoy that. When I graduated, I did a degree in business studies. I never honestly imagined that I would uh, stay in this sector, if you like, you know, in terms of uh, the third sector, in terms of youth and community work, the public sector, as as, as, it, as it's often known, like, you know. And uh, I very much enjoyed that, though. You know, I think I graduated. I did a degree in business, uh, particularly I, when my focus was in procurement and logistics. And I loved every aspect of my degree. I'll be honest, I, I was fascinated about business, the world of business, negotiations, uh, engaging with big businesses. Uh, and it's only when I graduated and I came back into my community that I saw uh, the true extent, if you like, of uh, not just poverty, but young people not really taking advantage of opportunities, uh, lack of role models, uh, lack of support, 
Um, and I, I was probably blind to this because obviously I was going to college and school in the daytime and I wasn't seeing the sheer number of people, uh, young people wasted away in the daytime because I was in college, I was in uni, I was busy. And then so I spent a lot of time when I graduated looking for answers. Who is out there to support these pe- these youngsters? I made good relationships with Careers Wales. I made good relationships with other institutions and organizations. And before long, I was inviting these people into the community, these organizations who often didn't have a platform for young people, didn't have opportunities for young people uh, to engage in their community. They were like, yes, we can help your youngsters, but tell them to come and see us. I was like, that's not going to happen. These kids are stuck in Grangetown. They're stuck in Butetown. They just need something in their community to help connect. So yeah, alhamdulillah, you know, I got known for the, being that go-to guy then for anything and everything youth-related. Uh, I'm, and that was because it's probably my fault because I, I wanted to know what was out there to help youngsters, irrespective of what it is. I wanted to know all the different opportunities, all the different options. So if a young person came to me, whether they were 16 or 19 or even 24, 25, I knew where they could go. I knew who to send them to. And if I couldn't, I knew somebody who would. So I couldn't send them away. So I had an answer for any young person who said, Ali, I want to get an apprenticeship. Ali, I want to help with, uh, I need a tutor for maths. Or Ali, I want to, you know, uh, not go into um, uh, do my GCSE, do my A-levels this year. What can I do this time round? Or Ali, I missed out on GCSE maths. Where can I study maths to? I knew who they could go to, the go-to people. And alhamdulillah, I just, you know, evolved from there. Uh, and then I spent a lot of time uh, going back into Katay's, going back into Fitzalan uh, as, a, as a graduate uh, to support young boys and girls uh, from Cardiff South uh, on, a, on an exciting mentoring program called the Raise and Achievement Program, RAPS. Uh, and honestly, I did that for six years, from 2006 to 2012. Fabulous program, honestly. And disappointingly, it came to an end because it was a Welsh government funded program. It was only supposed to be funded for three years initially. It had another further three years. And then we had a phone call uh, or an email to say that, you know, we've honestly, we, we made some great successes with that project that now they're no longer going to fund it. How could you make so much success with a program that all of a sudden they're not going to fund it? Things need fund. If, if something's successful, you want to carry on funding it so you can be even more successful. It, honestly, it was mind-boggling. But luckily, before that program came to an end, uh, I found another uh, opportunity to support young people working, uh, support young people in a community who were known as um, uh, NEET, N-E-E-T. So young people who are not in education, employment or training. So I spent six years working with young people who were in education, employment or training, to try and get them to... Uh, break the glass ceiling, excel, and do the best. And then now, all of a sudden, I'm working with the flip side of those who are not in education, employment, or training, uh, and trying to get them back into education, employment, or training. And I'll be honest, I had a fabulous time on this project too. You've got to imagine I was not, I had a caseload of clients, again, all in my side of the city, Grangetown, Butte, Riverside, and I had to knock all these doors or make all these phone calls. And I, I, I couldn't believe it, right? This sheet of paper with all these clients' names on, I reckon each time I was, every month I was given a new sheet of paper with like 50 to 20 clients. I reckon at least 50% of those clients, I knew their mum, their dad, their brother, their uncle, somebody close to them. 
So I could easily pick up the phone and say, hey, what's, he, what's this young person doing? Hey, what's that young person doing? Hey, what's your, what's your son doing? What's your, auntie, what's your niece doing? Or what's your daughter doing? <clears throat> or do they need help? You know, I've got, a, I've got a sheet here that's telling me they're not doing anything at the moment. Uh, other times I've been knocking doors and parents have been like, please come in, he's upstairs. You know, he's not doing anything. He's playing on his PlayStation. Get him out the house. So I had a fabulous relationship with parents, uh, with uh, older members of the community. Uh, and they did. They also saw me as that guy, you know, who uh, could support their family member uh, and get them out of, uh, you know, a hard time. So Alhamdulillah, you know, I did that again for another five, six years uh, to, to, to then end off to what I'm doing now since 2015. I've been working on the two exciting projects, uh, one in Gravetown with Cardiff University, uh, and that's where we've created and developed the Grange Pavilion. Uh, and the other one is with an organization called Citizens Wales, and that's in primarily in Butown, where I uh, involve with developing the leadership capacity of local people, again, particularly, you know, focused on young people. And we've got an exciting project there uh, called the Community Jobs Compact, which we've developed, and it's an award-winning project, in fact, uh, and we've been focused on um, building relationships with local employers and the community with a view to getting people into jobs and opportunities. So, yeah, I hope that's a little bit of a snapshot uh, on me uh, and a bit about you know, the work I'm currently involved in. Thank you. Wow. Um, I think this is the first time, obviously, we've recapped you know, how much you've been involved, bro, and, you know, six years, another six years, and the past few years, it just shows, yeah. it just shows how long you've been, uh, you know, in, in the business. If yeah. I, if I take it back, I think there was something you said when you finished your education, you went back to the community, and you looked around and you saw people not having the chances, not taking the chances, not having the aspiration. Do you feel like, you had to step up and become that person who says, look, no, not in, you know, intentionally, but unintentionally to me, it sounds like you became that person who paved the way for others and says, look, I'm capable of doing this. Follow my steps. I show you the way. I tell you how to get to your dreams and to your aspirations. Yeah, honestly, Ham, I'll be honest. Um, it was either I did that. It was either I stepped up and supporting those young people at their time of need, right? Or they would continue to stay in that same trap and others would follow suit and see yeah. what they're doing as a cool thing to do. So so you you broke the cycle? I broke that cycle. I had to step in. If I didn't, honestly, those same young people now would probably be, yeah, in, you know, in a, in, a, in a real bad place right now. Because the longer you stay in a trap or you stay in a negative cycle, you know, you continue down that path and then things turn into into worse things. And, and it is, there's lots of statistics out there that show that, you know, particularly for young males, uh, if they're in a trap or if they're in a situation which is really negative, it can end up, you know, in the criminal justice system, uh, alcohol abuse, substance abuse, uh, young women. A, a, a center then you know have uh, early pregnancy yeah uh, again uh, substance abuse alcohol abuse so you know both males and females if there isn't an intervention you know at the time which is cr critical they could go either way i i totally agree and and that's why when when you're describing it 
me listening as a as an audience, I was like, you had to step up because there's no one else there. Mm. I guess the question for me is, why do we find ourselves, you know, including you know me and Hassan sitting here within the BAMA community, and we see a lot of people from our background in those cycle, because I've seen it. Um, I'm not going to say I've stepped up because you know you before you know before me paved the way and you know showed the way to others. And I'm not just saying it because you're on a call, but you know I looked up mm-hmm. and I said, "Look, Ali Abdi has, has done it, and look, he's actually making a difference." And when I get a taste of making a difference, and you know it, it hits you, it hits home. You want to do more because you you see people stepping up and chasing their dreams. But the bit that I guess frustrates me, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm asking bluntly, is why do you think? And I probably know the answer, but I want to hear from your perspective. Why do you think we've got a bigger problem within our community? Yeah, do you know what? This is this is an interesting one, if I'm honest. And um, um, I think there's a whole host of reasons um, uh, why some of these challenges, I would say, are more um, or more presented or or or, or more familiar. In say the BME community, and it could come down to a number of things like, you know, some of our uh, families that are big families in some of the communities uh, from Bay backgrounds, and so it's very difficult for parents, um, you know, who are also very, you know, very active working themselves to keep tabs on all their kids as they grow up. I'll be honest, you know, people will be like, oh yeah, but why do they have so many children if they can't keep tabs on them? Well, you know, especially boys. You know, they're very smart uh, and they will leave their house at a time where they're supposed to leave, for instance, for work or school. Yeah. And they will return home, you know, and check in. And, and, you know, so and parents, you know, sometimes will turn a blind eye and so long as they're safe and they're okay, they probably don't delve too much into uh, what they're into, what they're up to. And so hence, that's where the, tr- the, the you know, the trapping and the, and the hard times come from. Because there are so many people uh, in those communities living busy lives, and so it, you know people are not as united and connected to see you know the dramas that are happening. There was a time, I'll be honest, go back maybe 10, 15 years ago, that if a member of the community, you know, especially BME community, they're very um, people are very knowledgeable of each other. They know each other's families, especially in the in the southern arc of the city. There was a time where. Um, older members of the community uh, would be very, uh, you know, um, if they saw somebody going astray from a BAME community, yeah, they wouldn't hesitate to contact their parents or or their or an adult who knew that individual. But now, you know, people have started to see the pressures on their own doorsteps in their own homes that they're not even looking out for anybody else. They're finding it hard to even, if they do see somebody from their, one of their neighbours or one of their one of their friends' children now going astray or doing or trapping or doing something bad, their lives are sometimes not where they want to be. So they, they fail now to, you know, that is not happening. But where before it was seen as a, a lifeline that members of the community will look out for other members of the community. So it's not happen as, happening as much. And so things then tend to get worse because no one is pointing the finger and saying, Oi, I saw your child or I saw your nephew or I saw someone, you know? Yeah. So, 
if that makes sense. No, no, it it, it does. And, you know, the, the reason I asked the question is, you know, I put myself in that category when I was younger. And I think for me in school, I'm not going to blame, you know, friends and et cetera, because I had great friends and best friends and we still are. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I ever imagined I would have a, you know, and I'm double quoting here, a successful career because I could not see anyone, you know, I went into the field of IT. Uh, again, I was very fortunate that, you know, Big Bro looked after me and, and got me from my failed A-levels to, you know, to the foundation degree in university. And then I, uh, and then I didn't have the noise. It was on my mm-hmm. own. And I said, this is sort of my last chance. But I think what I struggled in school is we had a lot of people I'm, you know, I'm looking at you, Hassan, as well. I'm probably you, Ali. We had a lot of people who came to school and told them, told us about their career and, you know, what they've achieved. But whoever, you know, most of the time, and I'm not, you know, generalizing, but most of the time it'd be, you know, a white person in the 50s or 60s, you know, mm. gone through like a private school. And I just sat there and I'm like, I can't relate to you. Yeah. You haven't absolutely. gone through my path and you're like, you know, if you follow this, you'd be successful. I'm like, you don't even understand that, you know, I have a, you know, a language and a culture, you know, struggles, yep. you know, e- even the weather, even, and then you've, you know, it's all other aspects that I was like, John Smith, you don't get it. So when you standing up mm. there and saying you can be successful, I just can't see it. Absolutely. I don't know, if, did you, did you either win? Because obviously, you know, your few years yeah. Oh well, Ali. Let's go, Ali first. Ali, so did you have it in yours? When you I was know what? Yeah. Sorry, bro. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? And like, hundred <laughs> percent. Representation is so important, bro. Right now, uh, particularly more now as well than before. But I think you're right. I think I was lucky. Like you said, you had an older brother, right? I mm. was lucky to have uh, a big family, bro, and I had older siblings who all did their GCSEs, all completed their A-levels, they went to university. I'll be honest, if I never had uh, that uh, firm uh, following and like, you know, uh, relationship and good relationship with my older siblings and seeing them go to university, if they yeah. went down a bad place, I probably would have went down a bad place because there's all of, you know, you do look up to people, right? People around you. Yeah. So my brothers went to university. My sisters went to university. Alhamdulillah, we grew up, you know, with, with parents, expectations were high then, you know, because, you know, they went uni, you have to go uni too, right? <laughs> so, you know, and I wanted to go university. It wasn't a case of, you know, go follow your brother. It was like, yeah, I want to go uni too now. You know, if, they were, if I heard of apprenticeships back then, mm. if I heard of other routes to make it, back then I may have chosen those other routes to have made it if, if that makes sense yeah but we I wasn't exposed to those other routes when I was younger so it was generally the traditional routes you know so it became like a standard procedure like you go to your A-levels you get your A-levels you go to university you go you leave university you go get a job <laughs> you know it was kind of like uh, in Sandham but I, you know I didn't get a job in the area where I graduated but I, but I did get a job in an area which I'm satisfied and I'm making a difference in people's lives, you know? So, obviously, it's, it's interesting because we were on a different episode and we mentioned, you know, my older brother went before to university and obviously I followed steps. So, Hassan, for you, did you have the same problem in school? For me, I've got a funny story because I remember once 
a few people came in to give a speech on knife crime and violence and gang related um because it was literally i think when the whole school went to lockdown because there was a huge fighting out and outside of school yeah but everyone looked at the people who were giving the speech they were going wait this person does not know what is happening they don't know like they like it's someone you don't listen to it's someone going well who's this guy giving a speech on this um but the uni part i did obviously go to uni as you said because you went to university hussein went to university um but i know people who were around me like we started to go study our a levels gcse's in cardiff university because we saw the older people go there in the libraries and study i think ali abdi's year yeah one of the first people who go who opened up the cardiff uni libraries um the law libraries um so we had a place to study as well which was strange because for us we didn't have a place to study because people find it hard so so let me ask a question f- to you if you didn't have that do you reckon if I didn't have you two who went to university I probably wouldn't have been in university so so you're fortunate in a way and obviously I'm fortunate and you know Ali's similar because obviously if he's siblings yeah but what do you do if you if you haven't got that that's what I think the there is a huge importance of people coming back and like talking to the communities because I've seen the impact certain people have had who've come back and go oh okay oh ali abdi does xyz um let's do this or hamid does it oh i can go into it is it has a huge impact when you see someone who you walk around, who lives in the same street as you yeah who is from your background you go oh look if he can do it i can do it too so let me let me pose a question to to ali so to me I I think you've you've done and you know this because I've told you you've done one hell of a job you know paving the way uh within the BME community but sometimes I feel like you know let's say our community right the African community I can pick cuz that's my community if Ali goes there and speaks to them I don't know why they go well, what do you know Do you, Ali, have you ever experienced that? Or am I just making, am I being too critical of my own community? As in like, you, you say like what, like people would question like, what do you no, know? No, so if you go, so within the, within the Somali community, right? Yeah. It'd be completely fine. But if you go to the, if, if you go, if you're trying to influence that, let's just go Afghan community because I can say that's my community. Do you feel like yeah. you have the same impact? or there are certain barriers because let's be fair you got the BAME right i don't yeah. there is for me there is no there's no filter right we're yeah. the, we're the minority no matter how you look at it but for some reason i feel like sometimes then when you get to the within the BAME there is there is a slight segregation because obviously you know the afghans going to go well different culture yeah. different backgrounds yeah do you, have you felt that or have you been, yeah yeah do you know what I've got something interesting to say when it comes to this, you know. Um so when I mentioned young people and I and I mentioned um uh, how I support young people and I engage with young people and I've always been encouraged to honestly like fly the nest like there's so many people have said to me Ali 
why did you go and expose yourself to working in like other communities like Ely, Tramorpha, St. Melons, uh, Fairwater? Uh, and I'm like, why? You know, I said, there's, there's many young people in Butel and Grangetown and Riverside mm. uh, that I could engage with and they need my help and support. You know, but they're like, oh, yeah, but you know, you become a better person, better youth worker, better, you know, uh, a person who can engage with wider audiences. But I don't see like that. I'll be honest. Basically, when I work in Butel and Grace Riverside, I don't primarily go out there looking to work with just people from BME backgrounds. There are white children uh, and youngsters who live in Butown, who live in Grangetown, who live in Riverside, who, if I engage with them, I will give them honestly the same support uh, and guidance that I that I give to a black minority young person. I won't choose what and how to engage with them, if that makes sense. Yeah. But go back to your point, 100%, I think, when you certain communities, from BME communities, need different attention. You can't treat all of them the same. And you know me, I've been in this industry so long that I will use things to my advantage that will help me break down a barrier to get into different communities. Like, So if I'm engaged in Riverside, for instance, I know that area has a high concentration of people from, say, South Asian background, particularly yeah. Bangladeshi communities, right? So when I'm engaged with Bengali youngsters, you know, I know how to engage with them, you know, and I'll engage them differently to if I'm engaging with, say, youngsters from the Yemen or from Somali communities, because I might say something or, or, or mention a name of a Bengali elder, you know, or a Bengali person who's doing well in that community. Or a Bengali person who's uh, somebody to aspire to be like, because, like I said, I've worked in these in, in these communities for so long that I know even the success stories of many of the different communities and people in those communities, male and female. So I'll use those tools to my advantage, uh, and Alhamdulillah, you know, they, they, it does work, you know. Uh, and, and sometimes they're shocked that I know these people. They're like, "No way! How do you know so and so?" I was like, "Come on, man." Who do you think I am? You know, and we'll have a little joke and a laugh about it. And often, you know, because of the makeup of those communities and how close they are, they might even be related to that person because of the family structures yeah. in these communities. So it becomes even more special that I've mentioned that person's name because now it resonates with them more than just, oh, that person's role model. It's like, oh, that's my cousin, you know? So, you know, we have some, you know, I have some fascinating relation conversations uh, on my way to building relationships, you know, if that makes sense. No, 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 it does. And as I said, maybe, you know, maybe um, I've, I've been hypercritical and, and I said I'm, I'm hypercritical at my own uh, community sometimes because I just love people. Uh, and it's, it's to the point that you mentioned, I didn't know the impact I could have on people's lives um, until I went back to school, university, and I just talked for 10, 15, 20 minutes. And sometimes I think people miss out that opportunity or realize the opportunity. So until I done my first talk, which was nerve wracking and probably awkward, and I was sweating uh, because I was just getting nervous and flustered. And I, I genuinely thought I messed it up. Um, it, it was, I reckon it was, it was Kate's Upper Hall Assembly, 200 kids, they were year 10. Wow. Mr. Davis was like, 
go on then. Let's see how well you do. And if you do well, I'll ask you to come back. If not, you know, that's that's <laughs> it. So I got up there and it's it's funny. I think I might have it was the first time I bought a a a Fitbit, right? And I had it in my in my in my hand. And as he was talking and he was gonna give me the intro. I was keep looking at my Fitbit and I could see my heart rate just keep going up and up and up. And I was like, just relax, just relax, just relax. Got up there and then I felt like I'm on my own, completely exposed. Yeah. I got all these teachers, there was about six or seven up whole assembly, all looking at me, all recognized that this is the same Hamid who is a bit of a troublemaker and he's here <laughs> preaching how to be good. So it was very daunting. Yeah. And I spoke for, you know, the 15 minutes, if that, and I thought I messed it up. I walked away and then Miss Stevens came after. I said, look, can you come back? Can you come back next week? I was, like, I was like, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it was, it was you know, unbelievable, all praise. And I was like, okay, they're just being nice. As I was walking back to the you know, car park and leave, I had 10, 15, 20 random kids from different backgrounds just saying, oh, safe, bro. That was amazing. Yo, you know, gangster. Oh, I can't believe, yo, how much you, how much you're making, what car driving, all those, you know, typical questions <laughs> that you get from kids. And then it was just a buzz that I was like, I think I had a moment where I put, I could see myself in their shoes and I had that, you know, John Smith coming up telling me and I couldn't relate. And then he was there when he clicked. I was like, oh, I could actually, even a percentage, change the path you could make the decisions you could make. As you said, Ali, you could, I'm not saying it was me and I'm not saying I'm taking, I'm not taking any credit, but yeah. it's, it's a very fine line between, you know, making mistakes when you're young and messing around before you realize it's too late. You've got a criminal record and then people look at you differently because you've got a criminal record, which is quite sad. Um, mm. And you've made too many mistakes and it's just not easy to get back to the right path. And I was just like, all it takes is 15 minutes off my time. And all I've done, I'm not selling anything. I'm not, you know, doesn't. I didn't even have any slides. I just stood up there. There was no PowerPoint. I just stood um, not on the stage, by the stage, and I just talked for 15 minutes. Brilliant. And I'm like, why can't... First of all, I was like, why didn't I... Why no one stood up when I was there? Because I would have gone an easier path to the education, but I was very lucky. And then again, I looked around... And I said, why we don't have more people like Ali doing this more often? Yeah. Do you feel the same? That sometimes just, don't get me wrong, there's tons of people out there. Yeah. But I feel like they're missing out that they could be making a massive impact. And I can't, I don't know the answer. Is it because they haven't got time? They focus on their career. They don't realize uh, in respect to the, the the actual individuals, yeah, like others out there that you know have had a successful career in in their sector. Like why are they giving back? Yeah, <laughs> honestly, this is the if I can find out the answer, <laughs> I'd love to be able to crack it open uh, and get them to just give up even an hour of their time. I got a feeling it's twofold, right? If I'm honest with you, I think one people want to be asked. I think there's I think there's a big cohort of people who want to be asked to get involved with things. They they won't get involved in this sort of stuff unless they're asked. And when they do, 
I think they'll be a great asset and a great contributor to whatever it is, whether it's coming to school, whether it's mentoring the community, yeah. whether it's sharing their success story. Um, but I feel in the first instance, yeah, I think they want to be requested, if you like. Uh, so, and then I think the other reason is, yeah, I think they're so busy that some of them just want to hide away and not even uh, get on any radar to be able to ask to help out or anything uh, because they've got a lot of work uh, left, right, and centre. So, so I think there's twofold that exists there. There's, there's, so there's a cohort that wants to know, yeah, uh, and, and delighted that you've knocked their door, moment, called them on their mobile or whatever it is, uh, and then there's the ones who are like, nah, nah, I'm just too busy for this. This is not gonna, you know, I don't know, it's not gonna work, <laughs> you know. So I reckon that both of them do exist. That's very interesting because I never thought about the, the first one that you know mm. there's people out there, but they want to be politely asked yeah. hey uh you know mr mr hamid would you mind giving us 10 minutes of your time because you're amazing and again i'm not, I'm not saying I'm, i mean yeah. I'm being, maybe i'm being too 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 harsh um yeah that's a tough one um that's a tough one yeah um i just wanted to say um so you don't only do mentoring as well so i know you've done the pavilion center project um, I think which went, which opened during COVID. Was it the revamp, Ali, that you worked on? Yes. So um, this has been a really exciting uh, journey uh, and project. So the Cardiff University and the Anchor organization for that project in the Grangetown, uh, it's called, the actual project itself is called Community Gateway. And a pavilion is, a, is, a, is, a, is one project out of over 150 projects that are live at the moment. Um, and that's the most significant project. So the building itself was an old bowls pavilion, which uh, we managed to secure uh, over two million pounds in, in in funding for it, uh, fundraising funding wow. uh, from the lottery was our significant uh, one point seven, I think, million there thereabouts, and the rest came from uh, other funders. Two hundred fifty thousand by Welsh government. The council gave us the land, so we had a 99-year lease for the local authority, so they never contributed no money, but gave us the land. Oh, wow. Uh, as the foundation, uh, the Tudor Trust, like lots of organizations were, were very grateful. Uh, we were very grateful for them to help, um, you know, contribute to this. So, yeah, the building itself is in the middle of a park, a very busy park in Grangetown. Uh, and, you know, interestingly, we had our one of our first big events just before the the lockdown, uh, and we were expected like to host more events there, uh, you know, engage with youngsters, um, you know, and open it to a wider community more regularly. But COVID has put a hamper uh, on our plans. But hopefully, once COVID gets back to normal or normal rates or even disappears, we'll be back open properly to run activities again. Let's on hope a, it on obviously on a social distance in a social let's, distance let's, way. Let's hope it disappears. So yeah, but yeah, really I go for the last option. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you got the Pavilion Project. I and like so. I also know um, Ali was involved on the minimum wage, which yes, um, I know that was something that was quite close to your heart. And then there was also the, which I know we talked about briefly, the. Is it called nameless CVs? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want to just one. explain, you know, the purpose of it and you know why why that scheme where it came you know, you, from? Yeah, 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 absolutely. 
So that was that. So that was part of my work with Citizens Wales. Uh, it's in uh, in Butown primarily. So we developed this community jobs compact because the biggest part of my role over there in Butown, uh, working with the communities there. So my role there is a community organizer. So I organize the community in taking action on issues they feel most strongly about. So we carry out what we call listening campaigns in our community. So I carried out a listening campaign, spoke to you know hundreds of youngsters, particularly in the area, trying to find out what they're angry about and what they would like to do about it. Uh, and they had, to, they had to be specific in terms of what, what they were angry about. So ultimately, we had young people who were angry about jobs and opportunities, not getting through the um, um, you know recruitment process. They were complaining that there's a real bias in the recruitment process. Uh, they were complaining that once they did get jobs, there wasn't opportunities for growth and development. So we thought we come up with a community jobs compact, uh, but at the same time engage local employers by sending them a CV, by sending them a questionnaire to find out how many of them yeah. do name and applications, how many of them have signed up to unconscious bias training, where possible, how many of them are doing name and applications. Uh, we knew, we knew the statistics were very good. But we're encouraging more and more organizations and we're meeting more and more organizations uh, to, have, to with a view to get them uh, to sign up to this compact, which will uh, adopt name brand applications, which means that when they apply to a whenever if you if you ever apply for a job, you would have to, they won't take your name and your address into consideration until they apply, until you would ask to come for an interview, you know? So you, so the interviewer won't necessarily know who, who you, you are. are like, yeah. Well, they know your name, but they won't know necessarily where, where you've come from, etc. Because what we were finding was people were saying, you know, their community or where they're from uh, might be might be um, undesirable place. Some people might think it's an undesirable place. Yeah. And so it'll impact your uh, could potentially impact your career prospects. Yeah, it's it's those additional, you know, challenges that I feel like the younger generation have against them or that has an impact on the aspiration you know um and again what you're doing is you're tackling from both sides you're you're challenging organizations to open yeah. the doors but you're also inspiring the younger generation and giving him that hope and a dream that look you can achieve whatever it is that you you desire if you if you true and again it sounds really cheesy if you truly you know believe in it ali i want to yeah i want to just recap. So we talked about the importance of mentorship. You know, um, the fact that you felt the need and rightly so to step up and open doors for others. You've, and I've seen this as well. You've seen the benefit in your own community. I've seen so many people uh, in our community have stepped up. Um, and it's funny because obviously you know LinkedIn is a great place, and I see I see people and they're like. Oh, Ali! Ali helped me, you know, on this occasion or that occasion, and it puts a smile. Yeah. I'm like, oh, actually, I know Ali. You know, it's 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 <laughs> it's it's no, it's it's nice because, and I don't know, maybe I'm I'm like this. I I love it when people are being recognised for the hard work that you that you've been putting for many years. So you know, your you yeah. reward yeah, is, it is. is the least. You know, I'm hoping next is is it MBE. Yeah, why not? Why not? Whoever is listening out there, go check out Ali Abdi and nominate him for MBE. <laughs> um, 
so we talked up, ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've talked about um we've talked about the importance to to step up and create pathways for others what would be your advice for those younger generations that are in our communities that still don't have that still hasn't realized the full potential and have the full aspirations you know if you had i don't know top 3 advice from your experience being on both sides and working in an organization in a sector, what would be your advice? I think for me, thank you, Ham. I think my advice would be um, one, don't give up. Two, no matter what you're going through, there is people out there ready to support you onto your journey, onto where you want to go next. Don't struggle alone. Um, you know, don't stay at home thinking. I ain't got nothing to do this year. I'm just going to stay home until some until you know September uh, comes round again. There are multiple start dates for college. You know, a young person who misses out on college in September yeah. or October can re- can do a course in, ja- in January or February. You know, so young people uh, generally shouldn't um, pay attention to that uh, and really should look out to those who are already in the industry, those who are helping them uh, for help further to get to where they want to be. Can I add one more? That, that makes sense. No, 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 it does. I'm just looking at Hassan if I can get, can I leave? <laughs> You're allowed to just add one more. Just it has to be really more. short. Okay. Um, I don't know if that was a dig to my height or not, but the way you said short. Um, <laughs> I think for me, you know, Ali mentioned don't give up. We... We end up, you know, failing is part of life. So yeah. if you do, uh, God forbid, I hope you get GCSEs and A-levels or, or different paths or whatever path it is, keep going. But if you do fail, it's okay. Just try again. And also, as Ali mentioned, sometimes you have to step up. I'm going to use a quote. I'm looking at you. Uh, be ready. No. Damn it, it's gone from my head. I think it's be ready to be a leader, but ready to follow. There's too many readies in there. Sometimes you have to be the person who's gonna who's gonna stand up and be the first one. Let that be in your family. Let that be in your in your in your community. You know, Ali was the first. Uh, my brother was the first. There are other people that are first, but sometimes you might be the first one. So don't let that you know scare you. Step up. I'm not saying it in a very, you know, aggressive saying step up. But I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you have to. And it's tough and it's scary. I'm not going to say it's not. That'd be the very short version of me adding into it. And Ali, if, so, so you've got the younger generation. Now, yes. what would be your advice for the older generation, I guess, I say older, but the people who've already succeeded and they're already in careers. I think you already mentioned briefly and, yeah. and organizations and organizations yeah you're right <laughs> for these people I've got no advice for them but I've got an appeal for them <laughs> I appeal to anyone who's made it uh, in their chosen uh, career anyone who's comfortable uh, in their jobs or in uh, education whether you're doing a PhD or a master's if you could just spend an hour a week please get in touch because there are young boys and girls uh, who want and who need, uh, you know, guidance, who need you to, you know, check in on them, uh, to support them, to get on their journey and be successful just like you. So if you can spare an hour, literally an hour, we can connect you with a young person who wants to aspire to be just like you, 
so you can help them overcome uh, and, you know, uh, don't have to go through the same, don't have to, you know, go through, um, they can avoid the pitfalls that you might have overcome by you sharing some real insight to how you, you know, overcome any barriers and challenges. So, yeah, I want to, that's my appeal. I got no advice for them. They, you know, but I got an appeal. That's my appeal. <laughs> that's um, honestly beautiful. But, and I think this is probably the best way to end this episode talking about the importance of mentorship, you know, in BAME, but also the importance of giving back to our community. So without further ado, I want to just thank you, Ali. And uh, hopefully we'll speak again on a different topic, which I am sure there is many to talk to with Ali. It's my pleasure, man. I, I, and I really have enjoyed uh, spending uh, this time with both of you. So yeah, please reach out if you ever need me again. And I'll be delighted to come and join you know, the Three Musketeers podcast. Thank you, bro. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Three Musketeers, hosted by Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Don't forget to share and follow, as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon. See you soon.